0: Happy Thanksgiving, if you're listening or if you're watching. But as much as we're thankful for, I am thankful for every single one of you. Don't forget that. It is still Crossover Thursday. That is That takes priority right now. It's Crossover Thursday. With Brian Smith, Locked on Seminoles. Let's talk Florida Gators versus Florida State Seminoles. You are Locked on Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Seminoles, doing a little crossover action with everybody's favorite. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Everything good over there in Gatorland?
0: I mean, my heart is just ready for this game, man. It's Every year, I'm just like, I don't care who's leading, who's not. I just want this game. Like I just get pumped up for this.
1: Well, it is a fun football rivalry. It is, in my opinion, conservatively one of the 10 best, probably top five. And quite honestly, there's very few times where it doesn't live up to the billing of having some kind of excitement, some kind of surprise drama. Last year was no different in that regard. So... Why not? You know, there's always somebody that makes a play and makes you at least wonder for a while if one of the others favored, but uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, Opening thoughts here in terms of biggest concerns as a Gator, what are you most worried about as a Florida fan, even though it's in the swamp?
0: Honestly, it still comes down to Florida's defense. And I I think that goes to a testament to how bad Florida's defense is that we're dealing with a backup quarterback for Florida's offense. I mean, on both sides, and my biggest concern is still Florida's defense, because I know that Tate Rodemaker can do a very simple thing of throw the ball downfield, and Florida's given up more explosive plays than anybody else in the country right now. And that that's worrisome because you look at pretty good weapons that Florida State has. <laughs> uh, and it, it's honestly as simple as that. Like I know that the play is in, at the college level is never as simple as, hey, just just throw the fade to Keon Coleman. But it felt like that against LSU. That's what they did. (laughs) They were just like, all right, yeah. just Keon's like, yeah, just throw it up here. And I got it. And you could very easily do that against a Florida defense where not only are they giving up the most explosive plays in the country, but they're also giving them up deep and outside. And so when you throw jump ball receivers to Jason Marshall Jr. and Jalen Kimber, I don't care what expectations were at any point. I don't care how you feel about their coverage because even when they're there, they don't make a play on the ball. That's the terrifying part to me that Florida State has those guys that will win that and Florida has guys that will lose that on defense. And so for me, that's easily my biggest concern, even more than Max Brown being the starting quarterback against a very good Florida State defense. And that just speaks volumes, I think, to how low everyone should be on this Gators defense.
1: The last I checked this game was in the 6-7 point range as far as the spread. Now, I'm not a betting guy, and I know you follow it and you're involved with that a little more than me. When you first saw the line, because I was thinking the same way, just looking at just broadly, that would be my concern in this game is the one thing that could make this a double-digit game. Were you surprised when Jordan was in? Obviously, Jordan Travis being out changes the complexion completely, but were you surprised that it was as low as it was?
0: No, because of Jordan Travis being out. Like whether or not you agree with it or disagree with it, I think that in college, especially when a when a good starting quarterback goes out, the line really changes a ton. And, yeah. and so I think that's what it comes down to. Even on, t- I don't, I don't get it when when Graham Mertz got hurt. I would see that it, like I could see that it being bigger, but uh, six and a half point spread right now on Fanduel doesn't really surprise me. Also, when you consider that typically you give three points to the home team. So that puts it at nine and a half. The swamp, I feel like usually gives you a bigger advantage for Florida. So even if you want to say it's four and a half point spread, then it would be double digits. It'd be 10 and a half. So I I think that when you look at Florida being the home team, and also I think everybody's just like, it's a rivalry game. Any wild thing can happen. I, I think that's what it came down to, but yeah, it doesn't shock me a ton. I disagree with it, but it doesn't shock me a ton. Uh, my brain tells me Florida State should win this. My heart tells me that I'm I'm going to take Florida to cover, but my brain tells me not
1: it, what <laughs> this I this is do. why Vegas makes money. Comments like that <laughs> is why Vegas makes money.
0: Yeah, I I single-handedly fund the uh the FanDuel locked on sponsorship. That's all me. Just just
1: betting on Florida every week is just whatever. Dare. I'm not going to make any comments on that. I'm just going to let that ride. But on Wednesday, I did a podcast and I called it Florida State versus Florida mismatches. And there were three areas, one of which connects to another. But tell me if you agree or disagree with these. OK, first one, we had talked earlier this week about Barber, the left tackle, being banged up. Billy's not going to go out and say, "Oh, by the way, for sure he's not playing." Or this, you can't ever believe head coaches anyway. But rivalry week, no, I'm not. If he came over to my house and sit down in front of me, I wouldn't believe him. But Barber, at the very least, is banged up. Jared Verse, good. Patrick Payton, good. Byron Turner, good. You see this theme here? Are you at all disagreeing with the fact that one of the biggest mismatches should be, at least on paper, FSU Dn's. Against the offensive tackles for the Gators.
0: No, that that would absolutely be a concern for me. Even even if Florida's offensive line was completely healthy, they just simply put, they haven't been good this year. Uh, I and I I appreciate the
1: honesty. I I
0: try not to bash people, but like this offensive line has been bad. That there's no other way to put it. Austin Barber's regressed from last year; hasn't lived up to the expectations. Perhaps he's better at right tackle than left, but we're we're dealing with the the cards that were dealt here, and I don't think that Austin Barber has been well, whether or not he plays Damian George got hurt last week. Cam Waits didn't play well last week. Uh, Hudson jr. Didn't play well last week. Any of the four offensive tackles for Florida that have played this season. Haven't looked great. They they've had their moments. Everybody's had their moments, but they have not looked great. And as a unit, they've been struggling to put together consistent performances. And so I, I'm very hard pressed to go. Oh yeah. They're going to show up in this game to say that that would be the expectation. Absolutely not.
1: All right. The second one I had FSU's receivers against UF secondary. Now I think we've kind of hit this one, but I'm going to be a little more specific. One of the guys that I think is the most unique players. And I'm not saying this because I cover FSU in all of college football is bell. He is quote unquote listed as a tight end. He's built kind of like an old school H back, but he runs like a running back. Like the guy is very, very unique. Not many teams can cover him. And you're never going to have two on him because of the obvious Johnny and Keon. Florida State's going to be able to hit the middle of the field, at least a little bit. I'm thinking with that's dangerous with a backup. I fully understand that screen game underneath stuff. How does Florida cover and should that be considered part of the mismatch? We already know the receiver thing. That's kind of a given tight ends or is Florida struggle with that? What's the deal there with Gators D?
0: Yeah. uh, Florida's linebackers have been the absolute bane of my existence as well. This season. It's just been, it's it's been, they started off pretty hot and then they they started off pretty hot. Scooby Williams has slowed down dramatically. I love, I love what he does as a communicator. I think that he kind of, Helps elevate okay. the talent around him in just terms of that. I get it. He looks more like an edge and he plays more like an edge and probably should be on the edge. But I think that he elevates people with how well he communicates. It's very clear when he's on the field that communication is not a big issue, whether or not they play. He also did not play last week against Missouri. And look what happened with the linebackers on a certain fourth and 17 play and third and big game there. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that Scooby should be healthy. He was up, he was on the flu last week. So I would expect him to be here for the Florida state game and playing in that one. Um, but Jaheim Bell is someone where I even talked about this earlier in the week on, on lockdown Gators, where I think if you're Florida, you bring Jordan Castell down into the box from the deep safety spot. You put Bryce Thornton as your deep safety and you let Jordan Castell line it up against Jaheim Bell. Jordan Castell is a, a, a tall dude. He's three ish as well, just yeah. like Jaheim Bell. He's tall. He's athletic. I mean, Nick Saban wanted the dude to play linebacker, so might as well bring him down into the box a little bit. But Jaheim Bell is someone that I think is – I did a full show about him last year when he hit the portal, and I was like, hey, man, br- bring him over to Gainesville, a tight end that started at running back for South Carolina last year. He started there. He, he, he played against Florida. He was their main running back. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's someone that – Unicorn completely unicorn and in a different way than Kyle Pitts, who I know we like to call a unicorn, different way, but he's like that Johnu Smith type where they're just like you could run the ball with him genuinely, Connor Hayward, whatever you want to. Uh, I don't remember the name of the dude that was with the uh, Steelers a couple years ago. Then he played yep. running back and tight end, and, and I think that Jaheen Bell's that same kind of mismatch. He, he doesn't concern me as much just because I know how lethal keon coleman and johnny wilson can be on the outside so i'm not too concerned with bell just because i know that that's not the weakest spot of florida march madness is right around the corner if you want to win your office pool you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast
1: Is based on my gut that FSU will be leading at halftime and probably seven to ten at least mid-third quarter. I, I rivalry game, I'm well aware this may not be the case. But regardless of when, an old adage is: if you get a young quarterback in a tough spot, he's more apt to make a dumb play, which I don't think is a real difficult reach with verse with the way he blitzes, with Florida State having the number 15 pass defense in the country. To me, the way that Florida State can put the nail in the coffin is to get a strip sack fumble, or maybe even better, this is the funny thing about putting quarterbacks under duress, sometimes the best plays when you don't even hit them. They see it, they start to move, but their eyes go down, they lose sight of one of those key defenders, and then what happens? They throw it up. You told me earlier this week that Max does like to take a few shots down the field. I think that's how Florida State can knock out it. I'm not saying it's 100% that they will, but that is my gut feeling. There's going to be a bad, like, soon as he throws it, he's like, boy, I wish I had that back. Has that been in your mind at all? Like, you're worried about the colossal mistake where you and your New York City habitat are throwing things at the television and saying things that we cannot possibly say here it walked on at any capacity. Is that something you're worried about?
0: Honestly, not really. I'm um, because I think I think Max is playing with house money at this point. Like no one expects okay. Florida to win. Like <laughs> if he's going to be aggressive, he's going to be aggressive. It 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 happens, but it's one of those things where I feel like Florida fans, myself included, have spent a lot of this season going, you gotta stretch the field at some point. Like like your offense has yeah. been so dunk, you gotta stretch the field at some point. And I know Florida fans like myself have been thinking back to last year when Florida played Florida state and granted Anthony Richardson for the overall pick played one of his better games there in Tallahassee last year. Yeah. Ricky Pearsall found his way behind Florida state secondary a couple of times for big plays. And, and even the other receivers that were on Florida at the time found their way behind Florida State's secondary. It just didn't really connect on those. Graham hasn't taken those shots. And if I'm Florida State, I'm preparing for that dink and dunk offense. I'm not going to expect a backup quarterback to change things. So I'm very much just with, hey, if if Max is going to take those deep shots, I'll live with them. If he turns it over, he turns it over. But I think that he showed last week where people should at least have a little bit of faith in him. I'll say where he drove Florida downfield to kick the game or the field goal to take the lead there with less than two minutes left. The the big screw-up was Trevor Etienne running out of bounds. It wasn't even something Max Brown did. Max Brown, fourth Ironic. and four threw a completion. He threw to Khalil Jackson on the double move down, down the sideline. I feel like Max just plays with confidence where he might take a, a few risks. I'm fine with it. I I, I will live and die with that because if you're going into this game, you got your, your backup quarterback in a rivalry game. They're undefeated. I have no problem and, and no even concern about going. Oh, don't don't throw those risky throws. Do it. Who cares? You're the, you're the underdog here. You, you got literally nothing to lose. Just just go for it. And if I'm Max Brown, I'm going into this game thinking this is my audition for next year. If Graham comes back, this is still my audition to try to take that job from him before DJ Lagway is the eventual starter in 2025, maybe. 2024 but if i'm max i'm looking at this as an audition and you got to show out
1: okay i think there's different ways to look at it and that's why i was curious about a gator fans perspective because if it's a seven point game with eight minutes to go you can't make that play but if you're down two scores or more i understand the risk so there's circumstance to put into this but you know it kind of goes both ways and quarterbacks are often judged on one pass Everybody always blames the quarterback for the interception when half the time conservatively, the receiver screwed up the route, didn't know the route, don't get me started on that, didn't see the audible, whatever, there's a lot of that stuff. But
0: yeah, like Grant, that, right? Merce, Grant Merce threw three interceptions this year, all three of them hit the receivers, all three of them. Well, granted, two of them I do believe were his fault, they weren't super easy to catch. But all three of them hit the receivers. First one against Utah hit Ricky Pearsall in the chest, popped up. Utah oh, that's hit. right,
1: I remember that play. And
0: right. then that's against, Ricky against Kentucky. He threw it up to Arlis Boardingham in triple coverage. He should have, uh, and it was just past the sticks. I think he should have thrown it low, but he threw it up high. Arlis hit him in the hands, dropped into a Kentucky's defender's hands, and then this past week against Missouri, he threw it on the run, rolling to his left, hit Arlis high in the hands. And Missouri picked it off. So granted, they weren't great throws, the, the final two to our list, but all three of his picks hit receivers in the hands. And uh, look, I, I know that the old adage is if it hits you in the hands, you should reel it in. But yeah, and I, I will say that, that that those were Florida's turnovers. Just simple things like that it was just hitting receivers in the hand. So I get it that not everything is a quarterback's
1: fault. But still. Yeah. Okay. All right, the next point here that I want to make is key players to watch. Now, obviously, the two quarterbacks, I think we can kind of throw those out. If either one of them plays colossally bad, that team's losing. That's just the nature of quarterback play. Anybody outside of the obvious for either side that you're like, I'm really going to focus on this guy because he can make the difference between FSU or UF winning.
0: I mean, I, I think that I just have to look at Keon Coleman. Like that's, he, he's a dude where I'm just like, I, again, I've, I've said this every time we've talked about him. I did an entire show on him in December about why Florida needs to pursue him and go after him. And then he came out immediately. Just he's that jump ball dude. I don't even care if Tate Rodemaker plays poorly because at a certain point, Keon Coleman's good enough where you don't have to play well. You just throw it up to him and, and he can be your deciding factor there. And then I look at, Jason Marshall Jr., Jalen Kimber. If Devin Moore is going to be cleared to play, then Devin Moore, Jakeem Jackson, whoever is up against Keon Coleman. That's, that's who the x factors. is. Whoever is covering Keon Coleman. That's a good way to put it. That, that's it. Not even Keon. It's whoever is covering Keon Coleman because there's a certain point in this game, and we know it's going to happen, where they just throw it up to him. And you just have to come down and make that play. And I get it. Johnny's taller. Keon's better. And it's just as simple as that. So I think whoever cover, whoever's covering Keon Coleman on any given play, that's your X factor for
1: Florida. For me, I'm, I'm kind of curious about Eugene Wilson for Florida. FSU fans that don't know him, he's played at Gaither High School in Tampa. He's a freshman, but he's really come on. It's 45 receptions, somewhere around. I can't remember exactly, but he can fly. He's a kid I know from the seven-on-seven circuit and being in the Tampa area. Do you think he's ready to at least take a partial step towards being a versatile receiver? I know he's more of a gadget guy in your eyes, but can he run something? Like, can he add something to the repertoire that FSU may not have seen this year? Especially, again, I know Max is playing, so this is a big ask. Can they run a, a route with him in a situation where they're like, well, he always does this on third and you know? Can they go outside the norm? Because if that guy gets it in space, he can score on anybody.
0: Yeah, I think that I think because Max is playing, we see that open up for Trey. That's, uh, that
1: could be. That could I be. That's
0: exactly it. He's got fifty-eight catches on the year on just like sixty-five targets. And I get it. Everybody wants to go, oh my God, he catches everything. That's because he's catching the ball at the line of scrimmage every single play. Like, like he hasn't been playing full right. blown receiver. Like I view him as someone who I think he can be a very good receiver. He's just not used like one right now. And and that really just comes down to Billy Napier as far as calling plays. But we saw it against Arkansas a few weeks ago, Trey Wilson lining up as the inside receiver in bunch running a wheel route and just getting open downfield and winning the contested catch. We've seen it a lot. I think Trey Wilson has now scored in three straight games or he's in uh four straight games, sorry, four straight games, five touchdowns in those four games. Right. The, the Georgia touchdown, he ran a dig route and just outran everybody. If you can outrun Georgia defenders, you can outrun anybody. And so for Trey, I, I think that this is one of those games where you have to let him play receiver, especially with Max Brown, who's going to likely be more willing to throw it deep. Max is going to be as willing as Billy lets him be. And so I think that's a big thing where you got to let just Trey run deep, Trey Wilson, Eugene Wilson, the third, whatever you want to call him. You just got to let him run deep and, and be there so that Max can at least take a shot. That's been a big point for me this week is that you have to give Max Brown a chance to succeed. You, You have to do right by him. And so put your fast receivers on the field, let them at least stretch it and run deep, respect the run. But I think Trey is absolutely someone that we have to look at as he can change the game. Like he has for Florida. I mean, two touchdowns against Arkansas, one against LSU, one against Missouri, one against Georgia on the opening drive too. You got to give him the chance to make the plays that you know he can make.
1: Do you think there's any chance as a sub-point question that they might use him in a wildcat or an option situation? I'd try to find a way, even if he's in the backfield and he's the pitch man. For people that don't know, Max is pretty mobile. That may not be you know jet sweep motion. Maybe he runs behind and it's a wide, there's a million ways they do it now. It's I would find a way to get him the ball like that again, because sometimes don't don't make it too hard. My guy is better than yours and not many people tackle Wilson one-on-one. They just don't. And that'll probably be the way it is for him the rest of his career. Do you think there's something like that? Because Napier is a run first guy. He's never hidden from that point.
0: Yeah, I think that we see that. Because I mean, we, we've seen Trey take, I think two snaps as a wildcat QE. We've seen him line up in the backfield a few times. Uh, They've thrown it to him out of the backfield. They've handed it to him out of the backfield. And even against Missouri, there was a snap where he was lined up out wide. Max motions him in. So he lines up to Max Brown's right. You got Montreal Johnson. I think it was on on Max Brown's left. They run the, and then Trey Wilson goes in motion again to the left. They run an option. And I believe Max Brown could have pitched it to Trey Wills. Because Trey didn't lead block. He didn't go anywhere. He he just waited in the backfield still. So I, I think that there was the option for Max Brown to pitch it if he wanted to. So I, I would expect to see more of that against Florida State because I'm pretty sure it was Ricky Pearsall out wide, kind of also just waiting there. And I don't believe Ricky was supposed to lead block if Max did pitch it to Trey Wilson. So I think that that's absolutely something in their book. And I would expect to see that at that point. We saw it against Missouri. I would expect to see it against Florida State.
1: All right. Well, that's the key to the game is finding a way to to manipulate points. Both teams have backup quarterbacks. You know, that's, if you're not trying to give them an easy seven points, you're not doing your job as a head coach. So last point, then we can make predictions. The team that will win will do what? Fill in the blank for that sentence. What do they have be? And again, uh, turnovers are the obvious. We both know that sort of fans. If you turn the ball over five times, Florida, you're going to lose. Turn it over five times, Florida State, you're going to lose. So besides the obvious, what do you have to do here? The team that wins will?
0: I think I'm looking at just running the ball successfully. Like, like I think that that's – like we talk about the backup quarterbacks. You talk about turnovers. You talk about all that. I think that one big thing that Max Brown brings to the table is that you have to actually defend him in the run game. Whereas with Graham, you could just key in on him. And if you're Florida, if you're not giving up the big play passing, Florida State's going to have to run the ball, which I think they can do. I I, I will be interested to watch how Florida defends Florida State's offense. They've had some success against zone blocking schemes. So looking for that, but I think that, genuinely it comes down to who's going to run the ball more successfully so you also don't want to put these i get it tate's been there for a while tate's played more than max brown but he's still inexperienced yeah 100 those guys in like third and longs and situations where they have to throw to win this game so i think it's whichever team can win that battle in the run game i I think that we see them win just because again i get it turnovers all that You're not turning the ball over if you're running successfully. You're not putting your team in a position to turn the ball over. So I'm looking at running the ball successfully has got to be the key for both of these teams.
1: I think there's some truth to that statement. If a baseline number in football is on first down, especially talk about this in the NFL, if you get four yards, you're even with the sticks to a head, but when you get under four, especially with the reserve at the quarterback position, I'm looking at your New York Giants in this, in, in a lot of senses, because over the years, they found a lot of ways to do this. As but you, As I, I, unfortunately, it's true for you. That's the thing. <laughs> but it's uh, it's very difficult for, court, like, even Jordan Travis. And he's a six year senior. Third and six is not friendly. It's not. So you have to get ahead of it. The thing that I'm looking for are big plays in general. The new trend in college football, if you look at the teams in the top 10, teams that go to the playoffs, Almost a lock before I even go look at the numbers. Plays of 20 yards or more in the passing game. If you're not consistently successful in that, you lose. Now in this game, because of the quarterbacks, <laughs> maybe a little bit reduced. I will give you that. But I think your point earlier about Keon and Johnny and Jaheem is the reason that Florida State should win. And it's because of big passing plays. I think the running game for both teams will spit and sputter at times because I'm going to try to make the other team pass football. I'm gonna, I'm sure that Armstrong is not going to be any different. Like, Florida State and, and at UF are going to do the same thing. They're going to bring guys up. I just think Florida State has more go-get-it guys in their screen game. Rodney Hill, like, he's like, like the third string right. He would start at a lot of schools, and he's like the third guy for the, for the Noles. So, Tofili, et cetera, I think Florida State's going to hit more big plays one way or the other in the passing game. So, I'm going to let you pick first uh, what final score do you have for the Gators and the Knowles?
0: I hate myself for this because I am, <laughs> I, I am. I'm going to I'm gonna pick Florida state to witness. Um, I think that Florida has a very real chance at winning just because it, I think every prediction you can look at, there's volatility in it. Both backup quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. One can come out and stink it up and one can come out and completely light it up. They can both light it. There's just, so much unknown about this. Um, I'm going to pick Florida State to win. I do think Florida covers. I think it's gonna be a close game just because this game tends to be a very close one. I mean, even with Jordan Travis, Anthony Richardson last year it was very close. Florida State didn't cover the spread. And now you're looking at you're in Gainesville this time. It's a night game. Everyone's pumped up. I, I think that I'm gonna look at Florida covering the spread here. I do think they still score a lot of points, which this defense sucks for Florida. There's no other way to put it. So I, I think Florida State wins, I'll say, 30 to 25.
1: I've got 31-23 Florida State, so we're pretty close. Again, I just think it's going to be a couple more explosive plays. Just This is recruiting. This is why I cover recruiting. And the transfer portal, oh, it is a big part of recruiting. Jaheem, Johnny, Keon, all transfer portals. Jordan
0: so, <laughs> Like, everybody.
1: I know Florida State's done better with the transfer portal than any school in the country. They oh, really have. have. Trey
0: Benson's a portal guy, too, right? Yeah, he came from Oregon. Yeah, thank you. Ironic.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, all their skill guys that start literally are transfer portal. It's insane. So, and several of their offensive linemen, also from the transfer portal. Jared Verse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, they – Patrick Payton and a handful of other guys have been around for a long time, but yeah, by and large, Florida State has really hit the home run there. So again, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, you've got Florida State. Make sure everybody knows the Florida guy picked Florida State. That's that's it's very important. Weeks,
0: it's been a few weeks since I picked Florida, so I think I think people <laughs> are or I think my listeners are used to it by now. Where I'm just like, hey, I I know what this team is. I I know that they can win, but. Um, I can't go out there and confidently go, yeah, you lost to Arkansas, but you're going to win this one.
1: It It is what it is. And just to reiterate, I've got Florida State winning by eight. So I guess technically they would cover in that. They barely 31 to 23. I think both quarterbacks will exceed expectations, but they'll both make enough poor plays that there'll be some stall drives that the experienced guys probably would have completed.
0: Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily. And free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to preview more Florida versus Florida State. Florida Gators can win this game. I picked Florida State, but Florida can win this game. I will tell you exactly how they can make that happen. But until then, I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with whole nine sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. And I will see you all
1: tomorrow.